Well, good morning. Man, it's so good to be able to say that after being gone for 14 weeks. That's how long it's been uh, since I was here. And uh, the staff gets too much of a kick out of this because, <laughs> one, they know I hate attention. <laughs> and equal to that are surprises. So <laughs> they got me. They got me good. Um, if you're here, maybe this is your first time here and you're like, what is going on? Sorry about that. Please come back next week, I promise. We'll <laughs> return it to normal. I know some of you I've heard uh, started attending uh, Shepherd's Gate in the last several weeks, which honestly what it, that does is it speaks to the level of our staff who have carried this church so diligently these last three months. Some of you key volunteers that have stepped up and filled in the gaps. Um, I'm glad that, that you got an opportunity to meet some of my friends that are pastors in the area that gracefully came and were willing to give up church at their place and come and be guest speakers for us. And so would you help me in honoring and thanking them as well for all that they've done the last three months? And uh, move this over a little bit here. Kurt's going to have to get a broom out here. Um, as much as I would love to just dive into our new series this morning and just preach God's word because it's my favorite thing to do, I know that you all have a question on your mind. Right? Is this it? <laughs> so the staff said you're going to have to tell them what's going on, otherwise you're going to spend the rest of your life answering emails, so you might as well just tell them. Uh, what took place. And really, honestly, what it started the last Sunday of June uh, when, I, when I was able to give that final message before taking off for the summer. And you were all so gracious, so incredibly gracious uh, to say, enjoy the time. We're glad you can take this break. We're glad that you can spend this extra time with your family and with God. And there was one member in particular that kind of just waited in the back. I could tell that he was waiting to talk to me, but he was going to wait until everybody had kind of gone through and when everybody that wanted to say something had said something, he came up and he said the same thing. I'm so glad that you're able to do this. But he said, I have one bit of advice for you. And he said, I learned this after I retired from work. And I went into it thinking that I'm going to have all this incredible time with my spouse. And he said, what you need to be aware of is that you're invading her space. <laughs> and so you need to be even more loving and more patient and less questioning of the things that, that happen and just kind of slowly but surely roll into this. And I thought that was interesting that he would give me that advice, don't you think? And some of you, I guess this happens with retirees, this also happens in the empty nesting stage that it's just you have, to, you have this readjustment. So I thought, okay, that's, that's interesting. And the, the last week was still a full week of June and the advice that I had gotten from other pastors that had gone on sabbatical was twofold. One, they said you need to ease into your sabbatical. So the last two weeks, you got to just kind of scale back meetings and emails and like ease yourself into it. Um, and so believe it or not, I didn't listen to any of their advice. <laughs> uh, I, my, my schedule was completely packed out and I went all the way to, to the very end. And the second thing they said that was interesting, they said all, all of them said the same thing. You won't actually accept that you're on a sabbatical until after a month after you've already, you have to literally, that's why it's a three-month sabbatical, because your brain and your emotions and your drive and your ambitions 
It's like it takes God that long to break that down for you to accept the reality that no one can get a hold of you. And so I thought, okay, so I, I have all these thoughts stirring in my head. So June 30th comes, and uh, we're getting ready to go on vacation, which was normal for us over the 4th of July. And my wife decided that she wanted to surprise me on the first day of our sabbatical. So I get in the car with her, and we head uh, down into Rochester, and we go to this strip mall, and we go into this facility, and the next thing you know, uh, my feet <laughs> are in a tub of water. And if you know me, I have a lot of questions, and I'm like, why are we here? D don't, just enjoy it. How much did this cost? You don't need to worry about that. Are you really paying to have my feet washed? <laughs> like, and so we're sitting there, and I made this observation as I looked around this business, is that I was the only male <laughs> there. She goes, it's fine, you'll be fine. And, you know, she's just smirking the whole time about this, right? <laughs> when these two girls come over, and they kneel in front of us, and one takes my foot out of the water... And li listen to this, this is crazy. I don't know if any of you have experienced this. She began to cut my toenails. <laughs> I was like, who does this? This is a service? Like, people actually do this. And, when, and then when she was done with the one foot, she did the other foot, and she had all these tools, and she was pruning and poking and whatever the heck. It, and tools I'd never seen before in my life. And she reaches down, and she grabs this um, sandpaper block, and she begins to sandpaper the bottom of my foot, which did not feel good at all. <laughs> and dry skins flying in all directions. And I was like, I really hope, I really hope you're pay, you know, tipping this poor girl for having to do this. And when she was done with that, all of a sudden my chair just started going back automatically. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Lisa's laughing. She's like, just relax. And she begins to massage my feet. That's when it actually got good. <laughs> I was like, now I can see why women pay for this. Women are famous for going through pain if it means at the end of it that they can have something that's enjoyable. And the whole reason we were doing this was because we were getting ready to go on a beach vacation. We were getting ready to go with Lisa's family uh, to Outer Banks. And so I guess she thought I should experience with what women experience and how they prepare their feet for a beach vacation. All you women, are you, you understand this? And then I literally met five men after the 9 o'clock service that go and get these all the time. So I, I, I guess it's something for them as well. So it was nice. We were able to spend that first week, uh, as I said, in Outer Banks. This is Lisa's beautiful family, her parents, and uh, her sisters, and all of the kids, which all came to church today. So so thankful that you guys are here. Her mom came all the way from Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, to be with us. So, so glad that you're with us as well uh, today. But what really transpired was when we came home because now the truth is of the sabbatical is starting to sink in and I want to show you a picture of our front room this is our formal living room and this is the couch that every single morning I sit on so when I come down to get a cup of coffee I sit on the corner of this couch and I stare out these windows and for 20 minutes I have the same kind of prayer to God and I say God what's on your agenda today I know I have meetings scheduled, I know I got emails waiting, I know text messages, social media interactions, those kinds of things. 
But God, whatever it is that you have, I pray that I would walk in that way, that I would do whatever it is that you would want me to accomplish. I want you to think about this because this is the first day back from vacation and I have no agenda. There aren't any meetings. My cell phone is off. I can't access social media. I literally am completely 100% cut off. And Lisa said to me, she came down, she said, what are you going to do today? And I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) But I have this feeling part of it's going to be a panic attack. (laughs) Because you're supposed to not have everything planned out. You're supposed to just let the day come and, you know, see what it is that God reveals to you. And so I'm sitting there, and my wife works out out of our basement, so she went downstairs with a client and began to work, and uh, all of a sudden, the FedEx truck showed up in front of our house and dropped the box off on the front door. And so I went outside and I got the box, and I was like, oh, Lisa Bollinger. I was like, oh, okay. Wonder what's in it. And I went back to listening to the birds and the squirrels and praying, when all of a sudden the UPS box, or the U- <laughs> UPS truck shows up. And this guy in his brown uniform comes out and he puts a box in the, on the doorstep. I'm like, wow, that's odd. And I went out and I'm like, Lisa Bollinger. I was like, oh. <laughs> and I kid you not, 20 minutes later, this blue minivan. You guys have these blue minivans in your sub? And on the side it says Amazon. And this guy pops out of this truck and puts a box on our doorstep. And wouldn't you know who the box was for? How did you know? (laughs) So now these boxes are inside, and she comes up, and I'm like, honey, what did you order? And she said, don't worry about it. And I was like, is that wrong to worry about? Like, what what are you hiding from me? Are these my Christmas presents or something? Like, what's going on? And she said, fine, those are my summer clothes. And I was like, summer clothes? You have summer clothes? And she said, I always order new clothes at every season. Like, that's just what you do when you're a woman. And I'm like, you order new clothes every single? I'm like, how many seasons are? And I just start drilling her with questions. (laughs) I'm talking three seasons, four seasons, five seasons. And we get into this fight, and she just says, it's not my fault that you don't ever buy yourself any new clothes. (laughs) And then behind here is the stairs that go up to our bedroom. And she starts going up the stairs, and I go, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to take a nap. And it was in that moment, a speed nap. She said to say speed nap. She went upstairs to take a speed, sorry, I might make sure I get this right, because she did give me permission to share these stories. <laughs> a speed nap, and uh, in that moment was when I remembered what the member had said right before I left. You're entering her world, and now you gotta figure out how you're going to adjust to that. And really, to be honest with you, over the next couple of weeks, and we had a camping trip that was in there as a family as well, it was really tough for me to figure out how to turn my brain off and to let go. And I've constantly just, you're, you're just you're trying to enter into this new world, this new reality of just not having anything pressing that you have to do or anybody that you need to call or a crisis that you need to insert yourself into and try to provide some kind of comfort and peace, and hope for. And so eventually it came to a point that, that she realized, my wife realized, you just really need to go on a solo trip. You need to get out of here. Like, I, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to kick in until you leave. And so through a series of events, honestly, there was an opportunity that opened up for me to go to someone's home in Florida. And so I booked the flight to Florida, 
And I went down there, and after I spent the night at the place and woke up the next morning, that's when I really, truly realized that I was off the grid. That I could just be myself. That I could literally just breathe. No one was vying for my attention. Nobody needed me for the first time, and I don't even remember when. And it was down there in Florida that I could just sense and know that God was beginning to teach me things. Now think of this. This was a month and a half into the sabbatical. So as most guys said, it took them a month. It took me a month and a half before I actually really truly began to accept that I was part of this and this incredible gift that you as, a, as the church gave to me. I want to say this because we're going to be going into some cool stuff this series. And one of the things that I enjoy doing the most is when we walk through books of the Bible as a church. It's one of my favorite ways uh, to preach the sermon series that I look forward to the most. And if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, you're new to maybe Shepherd's Gate, uh, we're going to today launch going through Second Peter. Now, on here are all the books of the Bible. There's 39 in the old, there's 27 in the new, and you can see over the last five and a half years, we've gone through three Old Testament books, and we've gone through four New Testament books, and we'll add a fifth one by the end of this month. Now, I also heard uh, from some of our staff that there were some kind of murmurs going on, some people that were actually concerned and wondered if I was ever actually going to come back as the lead pastor, <laughs> or if this was just going to be a way for you know, the congregation to kind of transition into whatever God had next for the church. Which, honestly, I told my wife, I'm like, find out the over-under on that and get in on that bet. <laughs> but I want you to hear this, because I know some of this has affected the faith forward and the campaign that we're in, and just, you know, I get it, you're not wanting to fill out a pledge or be part of something if you're not sure if we're really, truly still going to move into the future and if I'm going to be part of that future. When I look at something like this, just so you know, and I said going through books of the Bible, one of my life goals is to preach through every single book of the Bible. Do you notice we got a long way to go? <laughs> and I would love nothing more than to go through every single book of the Bible here at Shepherd's Gate. That's honestly where I'm at. As long as you'll let me continue being your pastor. Now, if you ever get sick of me or annoyed by me, you just got to let me know, and then I go get myself on a call list. But as long as I'm here, we love this place. We love this community. We love you. You guys are our family. And I honestly, truly hope that, that God never calls me away. In fact, I've been in ministry for 22 years, and uh, apparently I have 22 years until I can retire. So that'll put me at 44 years. So I think we can do it in 22 years. Think we can do it? get through all of it, and, and just have fun together. Now, here's what's kind of exciting as well, is that we have these resources that go through the series with you, especially when we do books of the Bible. And so if you download our app, we have a reading plan, and what we always encourage people to do is read the passage before you come to church. This is how you get the most out of a book of the Bible. You've already pre-read, and you got kind of an idea of what the text is talking about, and then you can hear Whoever is preaching then kind of explain in greater detail what the text is all about. Well, we've also developed these car ride couch side questions for you to be able to interact even on your way home. So instead of turning on the radio and listening to the lions who are just going to lose again, okay, <laughs> you open up the app and you do the questions so that you're interacting with each other on your ride home. 
And then all throughout the week, we also want you to interact with God's word, which is why we have the dig deeper questions. And so if you are married or you have a family, we would strongly encourage you to do this as a unit. If you're single and you live alone, try to find somebody else that you can do this with that's part of Shepherd's Gate. Does that sound good? Now, I will say this as well to the men that are in the room, okay? Are all of you listening? (laughs) Biblically, God has made you the spiritual leader of your home. And I get that can be intimidating because maybe you've never prayed with your spouse. Maybe you don't know how to pray with your kids. Opening a Bible can be very intimidating. It's a lot of, you know, just words and you don't know where to start. This is why we're so glad that you're here because we're going to teach you and we're going to help you and we're going to do this together and we're going to give you the resources so that you can engage in spiritual conversations in your house. And it's super easy. And so I would encourage you, men especially in this room, as the spiritual leader, that you would pray about this, that you would think about this, but that you would actually do this. And this is what I can tell you, is that if you are married, there is not a woman on the planet who wouldn't love having her husband lead her in prayer. There isn't a woman on the planet that wouldn't love to have her husband, even if you've never done this before and you've been married for 40 years, open the Bible and open the app and go through what we're doing as a church. So I want to encourage you to do that. Ladies, am I telling the truth? Right? Go ahead, you can clap. Go ahead, you can clap. And I always preface this by saying, I don't have this all figured out. It doesn't always work out perfectly in my family, and there are times that I don't get this right as well. So I love this because I know the impact it's going to have on my marriage. I love this because I know what the impact it's going to have on my family as we're raising our two young boys So I just believe we can do this together. I want to encourage you to be a part of it. Also, if you do have kids, what's really cool about the way we structure ministry here at Shepherd's Gate is that the kids right now that are in the kids program are learning the same exact thing that we learn here on Sunday mornings. And so that's part of the the car ride home questions is that you get to engage. They're learning it on their level. You're learning it on your level. But that together as a family that we can be growing in our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Does that sound good? All right. Easy enough, isn't it? So easy that I knew that I was going to end up being having a longer introduction this morning, so we thought it'd probably be good if I just stuck to two verses on my first Sunday back. See how this is? See how we're going to ease into this? We're like tipping our toes in the water, and then as the weeks progress, we'll get deeper and deeper. So if you want to grab one of the chair Bibles that are in front of you, it's on page 1018. If you have your own Bible, which I would strongly encourage you to bring each and every week so you can highlight and underline, do that. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you're watching online, you can go ahead and click the Bible tab and it'll pull up the scripture for you. If you don't have a Bible, man, on behalf of our church, we'd love for you to take one home today that's, that's here uh, as our gift to you. But 2 Peter chapter 1, two verses that we're going to unpack and unfold together. This is how it starts. Simon Peter. Simon Peter, or in your books, because you're reading out of the ESV, it says Simeon Peter, and all these are are different names. Peter, for whatever reason, has a lot of names. One of them is this Hebrew name, the other one's this Greek name. Those are the two uh, languages that the Bible is written in. He's also called Petros, he's called the Rock, he's called all sorts of things. And honestly, his name was actually very familiar at this time. 
But whenever you start something, and maybe you're brand new to the church, and this is why we're doing this, because even people that have been around a long time need to hear this as well. Well, the next question should be, who is? Who is he? He's a guy that we actually find a lot about throughout Scripture. In fact, we're first introduced to him in Matthew's account in chapter 4. The guy's minding his own business, and he's fishing. In fact, he's a business owner, and he owns a very successful fishing business. And on one random day, because that's what it was, Jesus walks by, and he engages Peter, who's just living his life and doing everything that he thought he was supposed to do. And Jesus says these simple words, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter is so captured by Jesus' words. There was something so powerful between the, between the two of them and that simple exchange that he drops everything. And he's willing to leave his business behind and he's able to then go and step forward and follow Jesus. And because of that, because he responded to Jesus, all of a sudden now we start learning all of these other things about him. That he is a brother that he owns a house, that he has a mother-in-law, that he asked that she would actually be healed. Think of that. He's a risk-taker. He's a leader. He's someone who's not afraid to speak his mind. And when we get all the way down, all the way through the New Testament, we get to 2 Peter. And this is how he starts it. What does it say? Simon Peter, a what? Servant. Servant. Interesting way to start, isn't it? I mean, this is Peter who ends up becoming the leader of Jesus' disciples. He picks 12 guys to follow him, and Peter is literally the leader of the pack. Peter's the guy that Jesus tapped on the shoulder and took to a mountain, and he got to watch uh, this transfiguration take place, and there's only three disciples that, that Jesus actually allowed in this moment. Peter's one of the disciples of one of only three that when Jesus, the night he was betrayed, was in the garden, he was praying, he told Peter to come a little bit further and to pray a little bit closer to him. Peter's the guy, think of this, who got to be the one to deliver the first ever sermon as the church was being launched in the book of Acts. And as the Holy Spirit came on him and he told, brought, he told people to repent and he watched as God changed and transformed lives, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. This guy's a, this guy's a huge figure. I mean, this guy has really been, you know, part of, of the narrative for a long time. In fact, in John's gospel, we find out that Jesus looks at him and he says, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. You're going to be pivotal in Christianity, breaking free all over the world. And yet here we have in 2 Peter, the last writing of Peter. This is, this is like Grandpa Peter. Peter is now at the end of his life. And he starts by saying, a servant. Now here's what's interesting about this word. Because sometimes in the English we don't really get the full appreciation of the original language it was written in. This isn't just going and serving his spouse or serving his kids or serving his community. The term that's actually used here, the specific term that he used in this text, was that he was a bond servant. That he was all in for Jesus Christ and the mission that God had laid on his heart. That he wanted nothing more than to do the will of Jesus in whatever it is that he was called 
to do. While at the same time, look at what he says next, is that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake that this is all about Jesus and that he was a white eyewitness and he believes in the death and the resurrection of Jesus and that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Now you could say here, well, this is like where now he's throwing down his credentials or he's showing his resume or he's updating his LinkedIn at this point, right? Okay, we got the servant, you're all in for Jesus and now you're apostle. But see, in the back of his mind, he would have remembered what Jesus told him and we find this in Luke because Jesus told all the disciples he said, behold, I have given you authority. And what he had given them was the ability, think of this, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. But the most important thing that he had given these guys is the ability to proclaim the gospel and that people that were dead in their sins became alive. People that were far from Christ became children of God. And he tells them these words, nevertheless, do not rejoice in your title. Don't rejoice in this title, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't let your head get too big. Don't get so full of yourself in the role that, that you've been placed in that somehow you think you're better than other people. As I look at this, as I look at this first sentence and even these first couple of words, I can't help but think of my own life. And so I wonder if we looked at it like this. If we took out his name, instead we inserted our name. Is Tim a servant? Am I all in for God? Do I really believe he is the son of God, the savior of the world? Is he the most important relationship in my life? Do I do everything I can to rearrange my day to spend time with God? And allow him to pour his grace and his mercy into me and to build that relationship with him? What's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning? What do those conversations look like throughout the day? What's the last thing I do when I put my head on the pillow at night? Have I put anything in the way of me and God? Remember the first commandment? Remember what God gave Moses when he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Or how about when the scriptures say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now I know we're coming off the summer, aren't we? And I heard also through the grapevine, which is kind of interesting because I've only been back a few days, that there may have been some members of Shepherd's Gate that also went on sabbatical with me. <laughs> and when I say sabbatical with me, I mean you just stopped coming to church for three months. Or maybe you said, you know, it would be easier to just stay at home and watch online. No one wants to admit to that. And yet God says he's supposed to be our most important relationship and if he's not pouring into us, what is it that we then can then turn and pour into others? See, this was pivotal for me because when I got to Florida and I, as I said, and I woke up on that first day and then I woke up on that second day and then I woke up on that third day and was realizing that 
it's just me and God. There's literally nothing else to do but talk to him. I think that's it. I have this new burner phone now, which I thought was really cool, because some of you were like, didn't your wife get a hold of you? No, only 20 people have this number in case there's an emergency. And I had to ask myself, with everything that I have on my plate, have I put ministry in front of my relationship with God? Have I put leading this church in front of my relationship with God? Have I put my marriage, my kids? Go down the line. There's so many things that so easily get us off track. And what is it this October if God would be calling us back to himself? All right, the summer's come and gone, and we've done our trips, and we've done this, and we've done that, and we've sinned, and whatever else took place. But God, maybe now this month you're calling us back and you want to bring us so close to you and you want to whisper in our ears and wrap your arms around us and remind us once again how much you love us and how much you want to be part of each and every aspect of our lives. Because, oh, by the way, he's the one we spend eternity with. Isn't that crazy? Oh, by the way, when you, when you die and you go before the throne of God, you don't go with your spouse or you don't go with your family members. You go alone before Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, who loves you, who wants to be in relationship with you, who wants you to experience life on this earth at a whole nother level, which you're going to see Peter tell us how we can do that in just a moment. And not only a servant of God, but what is it that the title is that we've been given here on this earth? See, Peter was an apostle because Jesus told him he was an apostle. Maybe for you it's business owner, manager, engineer, teacher, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather. What is it for you? And as you look at that role, are you using that position to lord it over people and to control people? Or are you humbly, humbly serving them and realizing that it's an incredible gift that in place that God has placed you in? with your time here on this earth. Because this is what he says next. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I love this. You know what he's saying? And this is big for him. This is really huge for him to be able to say these words because he was living at a polarized time. He was living at a time when there was basically two groups. You had your, you know, your Jews and your Greeks who were always at war with each other, even as Jesus told them that the gospel was for all men and all women. And for him to be able to say, no, everyone is equal on the planet. That when Christ produces faith in your heart, you become a child of God. There are no superstar Christians. Isn't that nice to know that? Do you know me as a pastor, I'm not any different than you? That some of you, I may have outsinned you this week. I mean, how do you know what I'm doing when I'm not up here preaching? Right? That some of you might know scripture, you may have spent more time with the Lord. But in his eyes, we are all equal. And because he sees us as all equal, we're supposed to also see each other as equals. I would submit to you there's only two kinds of people on our planet. Those who know Jesus and have come to faith in Jesus and those who don't yet have faith in Jesus. And he calls the people that have faith to devote their time to loving and caring and sharing the hope people that don't have faith can have so they too 
can experience the love and the grace and the mercy of our Heavenly Father. You agree? And why do we spend our time involved in so much stuff? How have we gotten ourselves so wrapped up in so many different things? Can I tell you that when you don't have a cell phone that's connected to the internet, when you're not on social media, when nobody's texting or calling you, when you have absolutely no access to the news, let me give you this, because this, this, this was one of the revelations that happened when I was gone, is that you care absolutely nothing about politics. All of a sudden, you're like, I don't even care. They're all screwed up anyways. <laughs> They've been screwed up since the time of Peter. Go do some historical research, and you'll find that Rome was still controlling these people and doing crazy, awful things, making terrible decisions because they don't have faith in Jesus. And nowhere in 2 Peter, spoiler alert, are you going to find Peter endorsing a political candidate. <laughs> that every Sunday you come here, isn't this going to be incredible? You're going to learn about Jesus. And you're going to learn about the love and the grace and the mercy that he has for you. We're all equal. We're all sinners. We're all trying to get through this life and figure this out together. And so he says this. He says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I'm going to slow these words down as well. These words are used so often in church. You've been raised in the church. You've heard these words millions of times. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. But do we really understand grace and peace? Do you know that you can't produce grace or peace in your life? You can try. You can tell people that you're a graceful person because you let somebody cut in front of you at the grocery store or you were the nice person that let people actually come out into oncoming traffic. You can tell yourself you're a peaceful person because you did something nice in the community. But in this text, he is talking about grace and peace that only comes from God the Father that God has the ability to give his children supernatural grace and peace. And this is what happens when you receive grace and peace from God. First of all, grace means that you understand your salvation, that you have been saved, radically saved by God, and it's not of your works, it's not because of anything that you have done, it's all because of what he has done for you when he nailed Jesus to the cross. And when you receive that in your heart and you understand that to be true, you just, you, you just go, man, this is incredible. I have been saved from eternal damnation. And then all of a sudden what happens is he begins to insert his peace, not your peace, not the world's peace. It's not because you bought a new shiny boat or because you got a cottage this summer or because you went on a vacation. No, the peace is God's peace that he is with you in troubled times and in a troubled world. And what happens is all of a sudden you begin to rise above everything else and all the confusion and negativity and chaos that our world is constantly dragging us down into. Every day you wake up, every day that, that you put both feet on the ground, the world and Satan is pulling you into the earth. And yet you have a loving heavenly father that is pulling you heavenward 
and getting you to turn your eyes on him and to fix your eyes on him and to be reminded that he's still on his throne and that he loves you and that he has an incredible purpose and plan for your life. Isn't that awesome? Some of you, I know, you need to hear that this morning. You need to be reminded because you've gotten too involved in the news. You've gotten too involved in the political stuff. You've gotten too involved in just negativity. Some of you just need to take a break. I'm going to say it from social media. Get off that silly thing. And let the Holy Spirit have that time. And to pour something into you that is so precious, it's worth more than anything else on this planet. Grace and peace. See, after I had booked my flight to Florida and I had a round-trip ticket, I had received word that my grandmother, my only remaining grandparent on the planet, had been put on hospice. And you know what that's like when you get that news, when, when a relative, your loved one, has been put on hospice. And so the, the feedback that we had gotten from family, the family that, that lived with her in Arizona, was that we're not even sure if she's going to make it to the end of the month. And so I called my wife, and I asked my wife for grace, and I said, hey, I know I've already been gone for a while, and I'm sure our two boys, because they're so incredible and they never sin or talk back or do anything wrong, <laughs> that it's been easy to take care of them. What do you think if I change my flight and just go right from Florida to Arizona and I'm gone for another week? Because I really want to spend time with my grandma. And she, of course, graciously said yes. So next thing you know, I'm on a plane. My sister lives in Portland, Oregon's on a plane. My little brother that lives actually in Florida, he's also on a plane. And we all meet out there together. And I got to spend time with this beautiful 94-year-old woman who each and every morning gets up and goes to this chair and pulls out her devotional and pulls out her Bible and prays for all of her family members. And as I'm sitting there, and trust me, in this position, you see people on, on their deathbeds a lot, right? It just, it just goes with the territory. I'm, I'm seeing there, her mind is sharp, but her body is failing her. And then I saw as she ate three huge meals a day, and I was like, Grandma, I know you know that you're on hospice, yes. And I know you put yourself on hospice. I just don't think you're going to die anytime soon. <laughs> but it was so comforting for me because I called my wife and I told her, I said, it's interesting now that it's been several weeks and as I've accepted this whole thing and being disconnected is this, is that I feel that I'm more present in this moment right now. I, that if I would have been at work and I would have been going at the pace that I was and I would have gotten the news, I wouldn't have gone for a whole week. I would have went for a weekend to say goodbye. I would have still had emails and text messages and I still would have been doing all the things you're supposed to do to do this and there's no way that I would have had the time that I had to just sit and to talk and to listen with her. And again, it was in that moment that I'm like, man, what have we done to ourselves? And how many of these moments do we so often we just miss out on because we're always on to the next thing and 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 the next thing. So much so that my sister, who, who's a nurse, this woman is so healthy, by the way. She loves the fact that she has her original hair and her original teeth and she's <laughs> only on a few medications and strong as a horse. This is incredible. Um, but it's because she's always eaten healthy. 
But my sister found out that she actually likes chocolate, and so my sister bought her this little bag of chocolates, and we all watched. It was, it was like, I mean, she was in heaven. And we're like, Grandma, you're at an age now at 94. You can eat whatever you want, okay? <laughs> you can let go of the, you know, the, you know the, the diets and all the other healthy stuff, and you can really just, you're there. You're on hospice, sweetheart. And so when we saw how much that she enjoyed chocolate, my brother and I went to Costco, and we thought we should just get her, you know, uh, <laughs> And in the humor that this woman has, she says, yeah, thank you for giving me a, life <laughs> a lifetime supply <laughs> of chocolates. And I said, if that's the case, I'm going to send you one of these every single month because I honestly think you're going to make it to 95 with the attitude that you have and the drive that you have. But here's the other beautiful thing. All the days for her were ordained before one of them came to pass. God knows when he's going to take her from this earth. And again, we can just be in that realm and that comfort of knowing God's in control. So Peter wants this grace and peace to be multiplied to us. That it's not a one-time thing, that it would happen over and over and over and over again. So as we think about this, as we think about this grace being multiplied to us, this is how it comes. It comes in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And what he's saying here is that, yes, Jesus is God, and Jesus is the Savior of the world, and he is the promised Messiah. But the way to, to, to tap into this grace, into this peace, is in the knowledge of God. And the way that we tap into the knowledge of God is by being in his word. It's by being in church. It's by being around other believers. Those of you that are watching online, Maybe you haven't stepped foot back in the church. You may have a good reason for that, and if that's the case, keep joining us online. But if you know that the time has come when you should come back and be part of the church community here, respond to the Holy Spirit. Do that. Be part of the church community here. Amen?